A reading from the book of Exodus. Moses was keeping the flock of his father-in-law Jethro, the priest of Midian. He led his flock beyond the wilderness and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. There the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a flame of fire out of a bush. He looked, and the bush was blazing, yet it was not consumed. Then Moses said, I must turn aside and look at this great sight and see why the bush is not burned up. When the Lord saw that he had turned aside to see, God called to him out of the bush, Moses, Moses, and he said, Here I am. Then God said, Come no closer. Remove the sandals from your feet, for the place on which you are standing is holy ground. He said further, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. And Moses hid his face, for he was afraid to look at God. Then the Lord said, I have observed the misery of my people who are in Egypt. I have heard their cry on account of their taskmasters. Indeed, I know their sufferings, and I have come down to deliver them from the Egyptians and to bring them up out of that land to a good and broad land, a land flowing with milk and honey, to the country of the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Amorites, the Perizzites, the Hevites, and the Jebusites. The cry of the Israelites has now come to me. I have also seen how the Egyptians oppressed them. So come, I will send you to Pharaoh to bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. But but Moses said to God, Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out of Egypt? He said, I will be with you, and this shall be the sign for you that it is I who sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you shall worship God on this mountain. But Moses said to God, If I come to the Israelites and say to them, The God of your ancestors has sent me to you, and they ask me, What is my name? What shall I say to them? God said to Moses, I am that I am. He said further, Thus you shall say to the Israelites, I am has sent me to you. God also said to Moses, Thus you shall say to the Israelites, The Lord, the God of your ancestors, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob has sent me to you. This is my name forever, and this my title for all generations. Hear what Spirit is saying to God's people. The Holy Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ according to Luke. At that very time, there were some present who told Jesus about the Galileans whose blood Pilate had mingled with their sacrifices. He asked them, Do you think that because these Galileans suffered in this way, that they are worse sinners than all others, Galileans? No, I tell you, but unless you repent, you will all perish as they did. 
are those 18 who were killed when the Tower of Shalom fell on them. Do you think that they were worse offenders than all the others living in Jerusalem? No, I tell you, but unless you repent, you will all perish just as they did. Then he told him this parable. A man had a fig tree planted in his vineyard and came looking for fruit on it and found none. So he said to the gardener, see here, for three years I've come looking for fruit on this fig tree and still I find none. Cut it down. Why should it be wasting the soil? He replied, sir, let it alone for one more year until I dig around it and put manure on it. If it bears fruit next year, well and good. But if not, you can cut it down. The Gospel of our Lord. Praise, Praise to you, Lord Christ. Holy God, we thank you for these words and stories. We ask that they would speak to us, that you would bless the words of our mouths and the meditations of our hearts to be pleasing unto you, O Lord, our Savior and our Redeemer. Amen. Amen. Have you ever had a moment that changed the course of your life? An experience that was life-altering. For some of us, it's falling in love or having children. Maybe it's finding your passion, the thing you want to devote your life to. It's making a career choice or moving to a new place. Maybe it's just a friendship. There are these experiences that when we look back at our life, we know it would be different if we had made a different choice. Those kind of experiences are exactly what we're talking about when we talk about Moses' encounter at the burning bush. A life-altering moment that changes everything. I love that the story of Moses begins by telling us that he went out beyond the wilderness. I love that phrase because it suggests an unknown territory, a risky place, beyond even the unknown territory that we already know, (laughs) beyond the wilderness. You see, Moses had run away. He had gotten angry at the situation of slavery and killed an Egyptian, and then he fled, and he'd been living a quiet life in the wilderness. He found a wife and had been working for his father-in-law, He was tending his flocks in the field. And something leads him to go beyond that life that he'd established. We don't know what it is that called him to the mountain of God. This story doesn't really tell us. Maybe he just got lost. Maybe he felt an aching or a longing in his heart to go a little further. Maybe he'd heard stories of the mountain of God and decided to see what it was, to go to the edge of what he knew. Whatever brings him there, what he finds is miraculous. A burning bush, a wildfire that is not consuming that which it burns, and the voice of God. This is an amazing moment. And I think sometimes we think of the burning bush primarily as a spiritual metaphor about our hearts being on fire for God. And perhaps it is that, but it's also 
a call to action. For Moses, it's a call to change his life, not to just change his spirituality, but to do something, to set his life ablaze with service to others. And I wonder when we are presented with burning bushes in our own lives, if we will be like Moses and be curious enough to go a little closer, or will we turn away in fear or anger or just because we're so comfortable where we are? The thing about God is there's not a question if God will present us moments to alter our lives. The question is if we will respond. God will change our lives, but will we let God is the question. I had the opportunity to take a wonderful class when I was in seminary with a woman named Bishop Yvette Flunder. She runs a ministry in downtown San Francisco called City of Refuge. If you haven't heard of the refuge in the city, it's this incredible place Um, that is a UCC church, but also has ministries for homelessness, for those who are struggling with addiction, for people who are transgender. She sees it as an opportunity to reach out to underserved communities, people that had been ignored by the other churches in downtown San Francisco. And it partners with many different organizations throughout the city. She has many, many stories to share, but one of my favorites that she shared with us during our class was an opportunity she had to work with a couple who came to her when they were grieving from losing a child. Now, this couple was, were people that she knew from the neighborhood. They were addicts, and she knew that their drug problems consumed their lives. She didn't trust them, and when they came to her and shared about the baby that they had lost, she knew it was because the mother had been on drugs throughout her pregnancy. And when she had the baby, there were too many complications, and the baby didn't make it. So the pastor sits in her office listening to this couple, and she doesn't know how to have compassion for them because she's so angry. She can't help thinking that this baby would still be alive if you'd made different choices, that this didn't have to happen. So she sat there listening so filled with her anger that she wanted, if she could have, to just slap them across the face and tell them to get their acts together. Alternately, she thought I could just give them an insincere bit of pastoral comfort and get them out of my office as quickly as I can, because I can't change them. I've seen it happen too many times. But something in that moment shifted for her. She knew that her anger wouldn't change the situation And that her fear, if she just got them out of there as quickly as possible, also wouldn't make a difference. Suddenly, she realized that she needed to understand more about addiction. She needed to understand what it did to the mind and the body. And she realized that of the three people in that office, she was the least broken. So that inspired her to start a ministry for those people with drug problems. And... Now, the refuge in the city is one of the places in San Francisco that is most known for their um, helping those who are struggling with addiction of all kinds. And she worked with that couple and connected them to resources. And later, when they were clean, they started a family, and she baptized their children. I share this story with you because it's a burning bush moment. 
It may not be out in the wilderness. It may not have the, the pizzazz of a burning bush. But it's real. There are real situations around us that God is awakening us to and calling us to do something about. God is trying to set our lives ablaze to change the world. Sometimes we are afraid, so it is easier to stay where we are comfortable. Bishop Flunder had that desire. Moses certainly has it. He'd rather not do what God is calling him to do. In our gospel text, we're reminded of a man with a fig tree who again and again, the fig tree does not bear fruit, and the man just keeps looking at it, thinking maybe it will change. And I think sometimes our lives are like that. We want things to change, but we're so comfortable, we think maybe we'll just wait and see if God does something, or if something magically changes. The thing is that God doesn't really work like that. Both our gospel and Moses remind us that sometimes we have to change. We have to turn around. We have to make a new start. Because the way that God saves people in the world is not by magic, but through people that he sends. Through the Moseses, through the Bishop Flunders, through each of us. We're called to go into situations that will scare us. Like a burning bush that we're afraid will get out of control, that could burn us. And yet we're called to go there and to do something and to know that God is with us. You might think that when Moses approaches the bush that he would be afraid. Maybe he'd pull his cloak a little tighter, bring it up around his face to protect himself from the smoke. Or maybe he'd take a step back. But God says, take off your shoes It seems completely counterintuitive if there's a fire to remove your garments and get a little closer. (laughs) But I love this image. Taking off our shoes, it's across many cultures a sign that you have entered a holy place. From the people who worshipped Jupiter to the Islamic, to those who are our Jewish brothers and sisters, across cultures this is a sign that you are in a holy place. And I love this image. As a kid, I spent summers, I think probably three months long with no shoes on, playing outside, going to the beach. I'm sure my feet were dirty and disgusting. They probably got scraped. But something about that signified adventure. It signified a childlike openness to the world. And I think that's what God's trying to get at when he calls us to take off our shoes when we approach our own burning bushes, our own situations in our lives, the moments that break our hearts, that awaken our curiosity, or that evoke our deepest passions. We're called to take off our shoes and get a little dirty in the mystery of God. The life with God is a life of action. But that is not to say that that risk doesn't also involve some peace. In fact, it's the peace that we find with God that gives us the courage to go out and do what he is calling us to do. He tells Moses, I will be with you. As if that should be answer enough. And it is. It's answer enough for all of us to go and do what God calls us. 
to go out into the world and see the places that are broken, much like the people who were enslaved and Moses was called to go there and free them and speak for them. Or like Bishop Flunder, who saw addiction that was breaking people and decided to do something about it. We too are called. There is a poem that is one of my favorites by Mary Oliver called Welks. And in it she shares that all of my life I have been restless. I have felt there is something more wonderful than gloss, than wholeness, than staying at home. She goes on to say that now and again there's a moment when the heart cries aloud, yes, I am willing to be that wild darkness. Like this poem, we are called to restlessness. As people of faith, we are called not to just stay at home, because we serve a God who will not be domesticated. No matter how much we try to keep God neat and tidy in our sanctuaries or in our Bibles, God has a way of exploding on the world like a wildfire. And God wants us to be a part of this action, to say yes, I am willing to be a part of that mystery, that wild darkness. I think Lent is such an appropriate time for this story because it is a time of our own wilderness where we're reminded of all of the ways that we have stayed stuck, all of the ways that we've tried to get comfortable and where we're encouraged to repent, to turn around, to take off our shoes, to be vulnerable to God, so that God can show us our own burning bushes and alter our lives, so that we can set the world ablaze, being little burning bushes of God's presence to those who are enslaved. Amen.